In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 21, Acts chapter 21 and verse 1. In a few moments, we're going to talk about together being prepared for anything. Being prepared for anything. I want to ask you this morning, right up front of the message, are you prepared for anything? Are you personally prepared for anything? Well, as I thought about that this week, I, I realized that I may think I am, but I really don't know if I'm prepared for anything until I face anything. Is that true for anybody else? Amen. This morning as I was getting ready uh, to come, I, I was reading through a passage of Scripture just in my quiet time, and I have a journal that I work through. And, and the journal that I, that I work through, every, on, most of the pages are blank, but every once in a while when I turn the page, there'll be some Scripture that's been put there for me in that journal. And here's the one that was put there for me this morning. I think I must be preaching in the right place, Michael. Listen to what it says. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse no, number 16. Rejoice always. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Now here it is, lean in with me, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now here, here it is, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm here today to tell you that in your lifetime, God knows better what you need to go through than you do. And we've been following together the, the story of the New Testament church and the movement of God upon their lives. He's taken them through so many things. Last week, we, in chapter 20, Paul, Paul taught us this, that nothing moved him away from the movement of God because he was saved. He was a man who was in service to God. He was a man standing on the Word of God. Uh, he, he was a man who was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he was a man that was sacrificial in his giving. And because of that, God was moving in his life. Now, I want you to hear this today. God intends that you, through anything, would do the greater things. But for that to happen, there's something you've got to understand. Here's the beginning truth. Notice this truth. It's your first fill in the blank. The greater things of God are truly intended for the people of God. So look at somebody and say, you're destined for greater things. We sound almost Pentecostal, don't we? <laughs> you're destined for greater things. God is really meaning these. say, Keith, how in the world can you say that to me? It's because of what the Bible says. It's there the notes for you, Matthew 11 and 1. As Jesus spoke about John the baptizer, he said of him in chapter 11 and verse 1 that there's none greater than him. But down in verse 11, he says, the least in the kingdom of God. It's greater than him. So you said you're destined for greater things. Now say this, you're, you're, you're the least in the kingdom. Say that to somebody. You're least in the kingdom. Now, wait a minute. Now. How can I do greater things if I'm the least in the kingdom? It seems like a paradox. It's really not. Here, here's the next point I want you to think about. Sometimes we miss, listen to this, the because life looks possible, impossible. We miss things because in our lives, things look impossible. Maybe you're up against something now that you were not prepared for. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe, maybe it's something at your job. Maybe it's something in your mind, your heart. Maybe something at work. Maybe, maybe uh, something has come into your life that you thought you were prepared for, but now you realize that maybe you were not now think about this as it comes on the screen. If God is going to do greater things, you must be prepared for anything. You say, well, how do I do that? Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens us. I want to begin reading in chapter 21 and verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. And when we had parted from them, 
But we had parted from them and set sail. We came by, the Bible says, by, by a straight course to Kaz, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and we set sail. When we come inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria. And we landed in Tyre. Now remember, Paul with pinpoint precision is making his way back to Jerusalem because it is the will of God for him to carry this offering. Now think about this. God has a perfect will for your life. And if you're not careful, you won't live it with pinpoint precision because when you come up against something you're not prepared for, it throws you off. Is that true? I've been thrown off this morning by service starting 15 minutes later. I've just been kind of hanging around. Anybody else? Just kind of, kind of hanging around because I just like order. I just like things to be in structure. God doesn't always work in my time and my structure. So Paul's making his way, and the Scripture says in verse number 4, And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. Now notice what's happening. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now, remember last time we read together that how that these people were saying that the Spirit of God says that if you go to Jerusalem, that you're going to be put in jail, that you could even lose your life, and they were trying to persuade him not to go. I believe this with all my heart, that in your life and in my life, there are things that God wants to do that you and I say we want to do, but when they come, we really don't want to do them. Is that true? You say, ah, not me. I want to always do the will of God. I, 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 I kind of push back with that with you for a moment, but, but again, I'll just let it lay there. Let's continue to read. Verse 5 says, when, when our days there were ended, we departed and we went on our journey. And they all with wives and children, the Bible says this, accompanied us where we were outside the city and kneeling down on the beach, we did what? We prayed. Now notice the Bible said, and we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. He's still on his voyage. When, when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we came to Palamus, and we greeted the brothers and the sisters, and we stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied, and while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands. Now, that was, a, that was weird, wasn't it? Took his belt off, put it around his own hands and feet, and he said this. Scripture says this. He said this when he heard that, that whoever owns this belt, he will be delivered over to the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. Have you ever found yourself participating in someone's, listen to this, discouragement? That they knew that God was going to do something, but you just kind of felt like maybe yourself? That's really not what should take place? Well, let me give you some truths to govern our time with Paul. Number one is this. We must be careful to refrain from speaking into what's not ours to speak into. We must be careful. Listen to this. We must be careful to refrain from speaking into what not, is not ours to speak into. You say, Keith, where do you get that from? Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 28 says this, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered what? Wow. When he closes his lips, he or she is deemed what? 
intelligence. So let me back up a moment and say it's not my place to speak into your life that if you're prepared for anything or not as far as judging you or condemning you. But it is my responsibility as a proclaimer of the gospel to equip you and to encourage you through the Word of God so that you would be able, now watch this, to be prepared for anything that comes your way. Because some things come our way that we really, really don't want to be a part of. You say, why? Look at the second truth. Our emotions can override the truth. Is that true? Sometimes emotionally we can get attached and we can believe that, that we're supposed to be a part of something. And when it doesn't happen the way that we want to, it causes us to weep and it breaks our heart. Let me back up for a moment. Paul found this out to be in his life, that before Christ he lived in a certain path, a pinpoint precision, but when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he applied that same, listen to this, that same intelligence, that, that same drive, and now he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would write these words to the Philippian church, write this reference down, Philippians 3, 12, all the way down through verse number 14. He says this, he said, I am not perfect, but one thing I do, I press on to make God my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Listen to this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made, made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind now think about this. If God says, I want to prepare you for something that's not, not where you expect it to be, what are you going to do? Sometimes we push back against the closed door, don't we? We say, God, I, I, I actually think you want me to do this, and we kind of shove our way right on through the door. Anybody? And when you shove your way right on through something that God doesn't want you to do, it's going to hurt even worse. I found this out recently that, that when they would, they would take grapes and put them in the, in the press, they would press them on three different occasions. The first one was to get the easy juice out of the grape, and the second one is a little bit tighter. And then the last one, they completely consumed the outer shell. There would be nothing left but the juice. So where are you with God? Are you at the first stage that God has kind of closed the door, or maybe he's kind of opened a door, and he's kind of pushing you towards something, but maybe you did not want to do it? See, these people were overcome with emotion with Paul, and they said, Paul, listen, please don't do it. They were weeping, and, and they, were, they were crying. And, and listen, I know this in my own life sometimes, how I just don't want to move. Anybody else? Some of us are stubborn. Now, I don't know why he's going to amen that this morning. And in our stubbornness, don't we? Sometimes in our stubbornness, we just like, I will not be moved. I, I will not. I will not. This happened with, with me and Sherry this week as, as we attempted podcasting for the first time together. Uh, we, we thank the beyond to God that it was not live when we was going around on it because she'd never done it before. And I've always done it, Michael, the way I've always done it. So we sat upstairs in the room together. And Jose, you should have been there. You had a life till you couldn't. John got up as our director and left the room at one point. She was like, I'm going to do it this way. And I was like, no, you're going to do it this way. And, and she says, no, I'm not going to do it this way. And she said, I will not do it without an outline. And, I'm, and all the time, John was recording, and we didn't know it. <laughs> the, am I making this up at all? I mean, if the, I've given you the cliff note easy version of it. But you know what happened when we settled down? We realized something, that God had a great purpose for both of us. And I wasn't saying what she thought I, I was saying, and, and uh, she, she was actually saying what she was saying, and I just needed to learn to do what was right. So God blessed us in that moment. And you know what? Within a few moments, Brother Jimmy, it was a blessing. 
As we were just conversing back and forth in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God, I want to tell you that some of you here today, you have in your heart, I believe that you do, that you want to serve the Lord, but I want to tell you, you're not prepared yet. Others of you are prepared. You say, what about the people who are not prepared? Well, this is not in your notes, but here's what I've discovered. I've, I've discovered that when people get on a path of riches and God, they're often in conflict. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 that the, the things of this world, the riches of this life will pierce you through. I found out that some people are on a path that's reckless, but on Sunday they have a path that they want to follow God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 7, you will not progress very far. Other people are in a place that, that the truth is that you're on a religious path. Right now you're kind of on a high. You come to church, you kind of like church, you, but then there'll be a moment that when church will get off your radar, because you're a person that's just a creature that you love to do certain things for a certain season and move on to something else. But God can't use that in your life. I had the privilege on Thursday morning to meet Pastor Howard's brother, Bob. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? Bob will soon be 70, and, and Pastor Howard had told me a little bit about his story. Bob was the youngest, and still is the youngest, in, in Howard's family. And as they were growing up, Howard's dad is an al was an alcoholic. And I'm sharing this because Bob said I could share this. And, and Bob said that, that things happened in their family, and he followed his dad's footsteps. And Bob tells about a life of drugs and alcohol and just so many other things. It break your heart. And he said to me in tears, he said, Pastor Keith, had God not broke into my life, I'd be dead today. But he told about how that he gave his life to Christ in a rehab center that Pastor Howard and their church had helped him get into. He said, but it was under, un, until 2016 that it finally clicked. He said, I was saved, but there was something still wrong. He said he was listening to a message by Tony Evans. Many of you know that name. He said, Tony Evans was preaching out of Genesis 32. And I'm quoting verbatim from Bob. He said this, he's preaching out of Genesis 32 and where that, that Jacob was wrestling with God. And he said, Tony Evans asked us, he said, I want to eat in the congregation, watching online. He said, if you're wrestling with something, just own it before God. And you know what he said? He said, I sat there and for the first time in my life, I began to pour out everything that was in my heart. And Pastor Eric, you know what he said to me? He said it was as if I was, it was just gushing out of me. All my sin, all the bondage, all the demonic in my life. And he said it was at that day in my life that I began to be free in 2016. And he said, my name is no longer Jacob, deceiver, but my name is Israel. I'm a prince with God. I believe with all my heart as Paul stood there before those people that, that, that as these emotions were going and they were saying, listen to me, Paul, don't go there. Listen to me, that Paul knew that he had to go. You say, how do, how do you know that? Because what he said down in verse 13, then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready. Listen to this. I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, be careful to refrain from speaking into what's not yours to speak to. If it's someone else's life, let God work it out. Secondly, your emotions can, never over, can sometimes override the truth. But thirdly, you need to hear this. Your old nature never understands or accepts the will of God. If you're walking in the flesh, you'll never accept the will of God. The Bible says, I read it this morning in Matthew 26, that when Jesus went across the Kidron Valley, you're going to teach in your Sunday school this morning, class. when he went across the Kidron Valley, went up into, into the garden to pray, he asked them to pray, and for three times they went to sleep. And the last time he said this in verse 41 of Matthew 26, he said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit is 
willing, but the flesh is weak. If you today have not discovered to walk in the core values of our church, if you're not in the Word of God, if you're not praying, and if you're not a person that's worshiping, and if you're not a person every day on mission with family, serving, walking in the Spirit, you'll come up against these decisions and you won't, will not be prepared. Paul was prepared for that moment. He said, I'm ready. Now think about how God can move you from one place to another. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not following you. Well, look on the screen. Colossians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1 and 27 says this. God chooses what is foolish in this world to confound who? Sometimes what God brings into your life is like, this does not make sense. Right now, in this season of my life, this should not be happening. Is that true? He's like, it's just, why, why, Lord? Why, why, why now? Because God knows you better than you do. Listen to this. God shows what is foolish in the world to confound the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame who? The strong. Now, when, when Paul, before coming to know Christ, was a pretty ruthless guy, wasn't he? But after he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he began to be a righteous man for the Lord. Now, there's some things that we've kind of read through in chapter 21 that I want to kind of back up and highlight for a moment. When Paul came to Caesarea, remember Caesarea? We know that Philip the evangelist has moved there. Now, he wasn't there. He was in Samaria before that. But when Peter went down to Caesarea at the obedience of God, went to Cornelius' house, and they were converted, and, and Peter said this, Now I know that God makes no difference between Jew and Gentile, for he is the one. Whoever believes in him, God saves him and gives him the Holy Spirit. The movement of God was so great that Philip had to move from Samaria to there to do the work. Let me ask you this. Is God pressuring you right now in something that to you that may seem to be foolish, but in God's eyes it is a perfect move for your life? You see, one of the most terrible things I think that could happen to any Christian would be this, for God to just let us do what we want to do. Because if God just lets me do what I want to do with my life, it's going to be pretty much a boring life. It's going to be pretty much a selfish life. I'm not going to do the greater things. I may even, Brother David, do good things. But God saved me to do greater things. And God saved you to do greater things. And I believe that many of you are walking in that. So think about with me for a moment. In Caesarea, when Paul got there, the Bible said this. I want you to see it. It's amazing. In verse number 8, he entered the house of Philip the evangelist. And then there's this footnote from Dr. Luke, who was one of the seven. You see, in this moment, listen, God's reminding us, and, and I'd missed it until Friday as I was reviewing, that, that listen to that, that Philip was one of the seven original deacons. In Acts chapter 6. And the scripture says that Stephen went out and was powerful as an evangelist and preached. And on a certain day, they, they took him before a group of people. And the scripture says they incited the crowds and lied against him. And they took up stones. And one of the seven was martyred. And who was the man who incited them? It was Paul. But now, to, in his very own house, the man that had killed one of his nearest and nearest friends is in his own house worshiping. Only God can do that. And I want to be a part of a family that from red and yellow, black and white, from the east and the west and the north and south, that's our church. So when former enemies now become friends together, and there in that house, they had, can I say it to you this morning, they had church. But the people in the church, even though they were loving in their flesh, 
In their emotions, they said to Paul, don't do this. What are you saying right now to God? Don't do this. What is God saying maybe to you? And you're saying to God, no. God's going to put you in a press. God's going to put you in a place. And I don't know why God's just dealing with my heart. He said, but Keith, if, if I give into this, it's going to show my weakness. Will you go with me in your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I, I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 5. Paul had experience with the flesh. So many times he had experience with the flesh. We know that he had some type of problem. Some most believe probably that it was an eye disease. And he went before the Lord. Now think about this. With an eye disease, this man who's going to write over two-thirds of the New Testament, Brother Rick probably needed his eyes. And the Scripture says three times in verse 5, I, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it shouldn't leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. This week, as Dan Brown was going through uh, 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 kidney stone issues this week, and some of you talked with Dan about it. Dan was, the whole time, was saying, I, I, I can't understand why I don't have the pain that other people are having. He said, but here's one thing that I know. That God has positioned me in front of all these people that I'm able to share the gospel with them. I, when I'm before the, uh, the doctor and I'm before the technology people. All these different people that I'm before. He said, God is using me in these moments. Now, notice what Paul decided to do. Therefore, he said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Sometimes as a pastor, people have said to me, that's foolish, Keith. That's foolish. Sometimes in the decisions that God would have for you to make, your spouse or your, your friend or your boyfriend or girlfriend, your neighbor, your classmates may say to you, that is foolish. But listen to me, in your weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is it right now that you're believing God for a bigger thing, a greater thing in your life? I'm believing God for some major things today so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am, here it is, content. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am what? Oh, to God that you and I would be the people that would stay where God wants us to be. And that we would prepare ourselves. Say, Keith, how in the world can I prepare myself for these greater things? There are three things that you must do. Number one is this. You must make Jesus, listen to this, sure he has first place in your heart. If he doesn't have first place in your heart, when Paul, if you go back down in verse number 14, when he, when he said there, excuse me, in verse 13, he said, I am ready. That word is a word that he actually uses quite a few times in his writing. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he said, to, he said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering to Timothy. He said, the time of my departure is at hand, and I'm ready because I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He's picturing here for us someone who's lived their life and, and they're right where they need to be and now there's kind of like it, they're on a dock and they step into the ship and there, there is this rope tied to the dock and all of a sudden he says, I'm ready. He pulls it up and he says, God, I'm going with you. Is there something now that keeps you where you are when God says, give it to him? 
For somebody in this room, it may be a tragedy, a moment of trauma. We talk a lot about trauma and trainings and psychology in the world today. And there is true trauma in the world. But you know Jesus entered the trauma of this world? Greg Lowry put it this way yesterday in the blog. He said this, that Christ went to the cross as a living hell, taking our hell so that we could have His heaven. See, Christ knows about trauma. That's why He said in Matthew chapter 11, and verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that are in trauma, and I'll give you rest. You see, you can never do the greater things until you own before God that He is the one who's in charge. He's the one who can make the choice. Serve the Lord while you're young so that when you get to the end, you remember that? That you'll have a witness at the end of your life. Listen to me. Right now what you are facing, God is trying to give you a, a witness. He's kind of position you for whatever it is. I don't know who I'm fighting this morning. It's obvious in this message because it's, I'm, just, I'm fighting someone or something this morning because God, listen to me, is trying to prepare you for things you've never imagined. Some of you are going to feel bad this week and go to the doctor and it'll be cancer. It is coming to your house. Adversity is coming to your home. Are you prepared for it? Death may be becoming to somebody in this room today. Somebody in your close family that's going to come to your life this very week. I don't know who it will be. It may be in my own life. A total life change opportunity may come. I want to prepare you if Jesus is the Lord of your life. Isaiah 26 and 3 says that, if, that God will keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are stayed on Him. If your mind and my mind is stayed upon Him, then we're going to go through. In 2 Timothy 1 and 12, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed, for I know in whom I'm believed, and I am persuaded that He's able to keep what I've committed to Him. So I want to ask you this, what have you said to God? God, you're my Lord. Are you one of those who can't let go? Are you one of those that just cannot let go? Well, here's my word to you. Not only should he be Lord of your life, but secondly, make sure your emotions are led by the Word of God. See, God had spoken directly to Paul and told him to go. He said, I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die. Someone said it best, no one's really ready to live until they're ready to die. So have you really said today of your own body, your time, your talent, treasure, it's all God's. This morning, reading in 3 John, in 3 John, he spoke to Gaius, and he said, Gaius, I'm so glad that you're obeying the Lord and that you're in His will, and I'm so glad that when traveling evangelists come through, that, that you open up your home and your heart and the whole church toward them. He says, but you've got one man, Diotrephes, in your church who is against me, who is against God, and not only will he not open up his heart to me, he won't let anybody else. So I want to ask you this. Are you the one that forwards the kingdom because of your emotional attachment to the Word? Or are you the one that hinders the kingdom because of your emotional attachment to not being in the Word? 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's proud for reproof, correction, for doctrine, for training in righteousness that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to say this to you. When God speaks upon your life and says, listen to this, be prepared for anything. You know what he's saying to you? I got a scripture for that. Isn't that good? I got a scripture for that. Do you have a scripture for what you're doing right now? Do you have a scripture for what you'll do next week? Do you have a scripture from saying no, yes? I want to tell you in my life, I want to have the word of God. 
And if you've got the Word of God, you've got the sword of God, you've got the Spirit of God, and you cannot lose if you have the Word of God in your life. And so Paul said this. Notice what he said in verse number 14. I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded. Now here's the third thing I would tell you you need to do is this. Not only make sure Jesus has first priority, make sure your emotions are led by the Word of God. Number three, make sure you obey in the moment when God speaks. You see, if you, if you wait to the moment to decide, you've waited too long. Anybody? You have to prepare yourself for the moment because if you're not prepared for the moment, you literally will wait too long. And some of you are just saying, God, one of these days I'm going to serve you. Paul said, I will not be persuaded. You see, when you listen to this, obey God, you are prepared for anything because God, not my will. You say, what? Not, not, not my will. And notice is verse 14, since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. See, you're prepared. The will of the Lord. I don't know what will happen after the service. I don't know what will happen after the next, or I may not even make at the end of this service. I don't know, but I'm saying this with all my heart. Let the will of the Lord be done. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, Jesus said. The Spirit is, but the flesh is weak. If Jesus is Lord of your life, if Jesus is not only Lord of your life, if you're taking authority over your emotions, I know this with all my heart, you'll believe God for the bigger things in your life. And as you do, I want to tell you this, no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.